This is the Christian Heritage London podcast from London. Well, it's a great privilege to be sitting here with none other than Mary Moeller. How are you, Mary? I'm doing very well. I'm thrilled to be in London. Thank you, Ben. And have you been here before? I have been. This is my fourth trip. We came when Al was a doctoral student and came on a shoestring, but... um, Things were much different in 1986. Yeah, seriously. Uh, but now yeah. we're here with another group. Uh, Al's leading a study tour with about 70 guests. Mm-hmm. So we'll be in uh, here in London and then parts of England and then back to Scotland. And we've never been to Ireland, so we're adding oh, that wow. as a first. And we're sitting literally around the corner from Westminster Chapel. We are. Where Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones served a church for, uh, for about 30 years preaching the gospel. Far more than his legacy, his influence has been massive. Just simply preaching Jesus. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. What a blessing to be here. There's At every turn, there are so many things to see. It's Al's favorite city, he there says. There you go. Well, yes. And so it should be. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you've, you've written a great book on Susanna Spurgeon, the wife of Charles Spurgeon. And it's interesting you hear talking about over 40 years of marriage. Very sweetly, you put here, they were only married for 36 years. It's true. <laughs> it's point. true. You think about, I mean, he was 57 when he went to be with the Lord, and um, she has a sweet way of putting all of that, you know, they'll be together in glory land, and he's far better where he is, but yeah, I mean, they, they had such a sweet, sweet marriage that yes. you, you regret it wasn't long, but the Lord's timing is always perfect. This is that. Well, welcome back to London. And, Thank uh, you. The book that we're discussing here is this fascinating book because you've not only described Susanna Spurgeon, but you've described her coming yourself from the perspective of a wife whose husband is conspicuous for gospel service. And so you interweave lessons quite comfortably and quite accessibly and in a friendly way. The, the book is quite chatty in that way. Well, thank you. I hope so. So the publisher came to me with this idea, and I had to have some time to think through it and pray through it because I knew one of our graduates had written a, a major book on the life of Susanna Spurgeon. It was part of his doctoral dissertation. And so many of my friends had read that, and uh, it, it's very comprehensive, and he did an excellent job. And there's also a biography written by one of Susanna's contemporaries. So two men have written books on her. But there's never been a book written by a woman. Mm. And so that's what really somewhat made it an easy decision for me the more I started looking into it and started reading some of Susanna's own writings mm. and realized that there's just there's so much here and there's some questions that I would ask as a female author that those men would not have asked just because of different ways we look at things. Mm. And I felt like there was just uh, there was a lot there. And then when they suggested I could weave part of our story into the story and um and make it personal, then then it was an, it was a fun task. It really mm. was. There's it's just right. there was a lot of material. My, my concern at first was since this is so long ago, and because there's a lot of things in Victorian England that are not recorded. Like there's just a lot of questions that I have that probably we won't have answers to. But it turns out because of the writing that she did as part of the book fund, her report to her donors, that in the midst of all of those tedious details, she also includes just these nuggets of mm-hmm. awesome theology that she just, it just surprises you because here it is. And uh, she was just an amazing woman. And mm. Anyway, it was an honor. It was yes. a joy. And the fascinating thing, of course, is she didn't regularly get to hear her husband's preaching. Right, right. And another thing that motivated me was that you know, you, Charles Spurgeon was just such a giant of the faith, and this takes nothing away from him to talk about her, but I mm. think because he was such a giant of the faith, that it's easy to just tick off this list of all these things that he did in his 57 short years on this earth. 
And and often in that list of, you know, all the people he preached to and all the books that he wrote and all the, you know, could cover all these encyclopedias, you'll see a bullet point that says mm. his wife was an invalid mm. who rarely heard him preach. Mm-hmm. And that and we don't even have her name there. Mm. And that just irritated me that like, wait, 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 there's so much more to her. She had serious health issues, but so did he. Mm-hmm. And yes, she rarely did hear him preach and what what a sad sad thing that is, but that doesn't mean I mean, most people don't know that he taught her on Saturday night as he was preparing to preach. Mm-hmm. Like, she sat at his feet while he was expositing these texts, and what a privilege! So, yes, yes, yeah. That, that's 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 that comes out strikingly early on, and you you seem somewhat indignant. I <laughs> am somewhat indignant. Like, don't just call her an invalid. She has this beautiful name, and in spite of her illness like she turns that around and and she works from her sick bed and does amazing things that mm. most of us would only dream about yes quite the way you describe it is she wasn't discipled that's herself right. when that's she was right. young so he's from this huge family with all these siblings and he's sent off with his grandparents as the oldest because there's just no room and she's this privileged only daughter that's going off to paris in the summers and learning french and you know, and, mm. and the, her parents, we think, took her to church. We're not real sure about her actual spiritual genesis there, but she clearly was not discipled, and I think the Lord used that in her own ministry, mm. that she realized that you can't just drop somebody in the deep end of the pool like you've got to teach them the things of of the Lord. You've got to teach them spiritual disciplines. These things just don't come out naturally, and so that's that's part of her story, too. Yes, and then, of course, he, he meets her, and she's... What is she somewhat amusing comments she makes about oh hearing Oh my goodness, it's not the love story that you might anticipate <laughs> of like, here's this phenom taking London by storm and he's just all these crowds and and he's this eligible pastor, you know, man and 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 so here's this this woman who's dragged in kind of by relatives who say and she and she goes reluctantly and then she has these very negative comments to make about his dress. <laughs> And his accent, and he's not from her part of London, and uh, so it's an unlikely love story, and she's ashamed of that later. I mean, she shares those words, but clearly she wishes she had not said them. But it also gives a perspective that here's a lady who saw from the outside without that loyalty, and she will have seen how outsiders will have seen him. That's right. And the love story was delightful, Mary, as you so rarely hear of a beautiful love story which really flowers in the marriage. They're engaged. He quickly gives her bunion, doesn't he? Yes, uh, (laughs) yes, he does. And I mean, who does that? But he just gets, he signs a copy and here's Pilgrim's Progress arriving on the porch and and she reads it and then she benefits from it. And so it's, it's a really sweet story. And then there's the, you know, the, the fun stories that make most of the, you know, the highlight reels of how, um, there were times when he was just so preoccupied with preaching that he like one time to to escape a crowd, he just cuts inside of the door <laughs> to get away, and he forgets that she's with him. Yeah, yeah. Well, that doesn't set well. No. And her mother has to kind of sit down with her, and and, exp- and it's a very teachable moment at mm. that point. Mm. And then he has to come back later. Also, he's horrified and he apologizes, but then he also has to say, you know, the preaching of God's word trumps everything. Those are not his words, but mm. and and that's a real that's a good lesson for her, and she. When he would go off so many days out of the week, he's preaching all over the countryside. So she's saying goodbye to him all week long. 
and and he has profound words on that on the exit too that she takes to heart and she learns from that and so that's a really good lesson for hmm. for modern ministry wives no today kidding. many of whom think they're the only ones that are feeling neglected or whose husbands are working so hard and gone so much while well, this is nothing new yes quite and it, the way he responds to it is quite strong as well. Oh, it is. Tender, but strong. It is. And one finds that the, the strong at the moment is just not allowed, and yet he responds with, 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 frankly, something which she can trust in, because he's giving her, this is, this, is the, this is the clear line, this is where I stand, and if you know that about me, we go forward together, and yet is entirely submitted to a gracious Christ. It's true. Exemplary he, in that way. He does it with just, he, he doesn't railroad her, he doesn't right. malign her, or make her feel like she's second place in his life. But she is, and he, she, you know, just says the Lord is first place in her life as well. But the way that he states it and the way that he frames it for her is, is just life-changing. Yes. There's a great deal that can be learned from that. Right. I found myself recently in a situation where there was someone suffering with something profoundly acute mm -hmm. and felt the temptation to sort of go with them into the, uh, into let's just dwell on the pain, but found I need to serve them by being strong. In this, in this moment. Mm. And it's so rarely spoken nowadays. But believe, I believe if, one, if I'd fallen into just breaking and, uh, and falling into the emotion as the primary thing, mm -hmm. I actually would have been affirming the idea that really this is a definitive issue. Rather than, no, what's definitive is the gospel. What is definitive is an everlasting promise of a Christ who will never let you go. I'm standing on that and looking at you with tears in my eyes but there's something better. That is very rarely spoken now. It's true. And so even as you want to weep with those who weep and mourn with those who mourn, you also have to have the courage to stand up and make a beeline to the gospel. I mean, you do. This is, a, this is like apparently Lewis, when Lewis was writing Narnia, he didn't set out to write an allegory, but it was so steeped in it that right. it just came out. That's right. That's right. It's a beautiful thing. It's true. So, Mary, how did you, you yourself come to understand the gospel? So the Lord blessed me by placing me in the middle of this beautiful family in Michigan where I had older parents who married later in life, had had difficulty having children, and so they were so ready for children. My brother and I are 18 months apart, and, and so we were loved from day one. We were taken to church every Sunday, and I mean, every, every early memory I have is of being in church. And so I was... A very young girl when I came to a saving faith in Christ, and it's not something I recommend or you know put out there, uh, but it was after a thing we have called Vacation Bible School, and I was this very compliant, goody two shoes, never got called out by the teacher type of kid, and I did not talk to my parents first about this. And again, I've got an older brother who's not made a profession of faith yet, but at the end of that Vacation Bible School, I marched myself down the aisle. And, 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 I'm, and I, I was just resolute that you're not talking me out of this. <laughs> and so I remember it very clearly. And then in our Baptist tradition, we had to appear before the Board of Deacons and state what we believed. And my dad was one of the deacons sitting there. And I also remember that crystal clear. And it was, you know, I could not explain to you the doctrines of justification. You know, I could not talk you through what exactly what sanctification and glorification were going to look like in all of these terms. 
But I walked in there just resolute as this little girl, like, you're not, tell- you're not sending me away. You're not going to tell me I'm too young because I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Come on. And so from that moment, <laughs> I've had the peace that passes understanding. And, and a lot of kids who do that, you know, they, they, Satan's able to pull them off and, and they come back later after having sown their wild oats or whatever. That never happened to me. The Lord has held me fast my entire life. There's never been a time that I've not been walking with him. And I've had a whole lot to learn. And in every stage of my life, he's placed significant people there who've helped to disciple me and mentor me. And and I also I also kind of do this tongue-in-cheek where I tell people I was safe from drugs and alcohol and all this at an early age. And sometimes people look at me and go, like, well, I had no idea that that was you. And it's like, well, it was because I was safe when I was in the first grade. And I never was tempted by any there of those things. But the but what is it, that testimony is as significant as the runaway teenage drug addict Absolutely that the Lord pulls right. out because I was every bit as lost mm. as as I could be and the Lord kindly saved me and every day I'm just so grateful that one day closer to heaven that He holds me fast that He delights in me somehow that He chose me. Come on. So um, and every what day, a blessing. It's like Luther says every day you got to remind yourself of the gospel every day. Every, every day, day you never get over the wonder of the cross. Amen. If we ever do. Yeah. We're in big trouble. That's exactly right. Yeah. That's exactly right. And that would be the danger of somebody who said, I prayed a prayer when I was young and now I'm fine. No, every day. Every, every day. single day. Yes. In yes. need of a Savior. And a Savior has come. Peace yeah. with God. That's beautiful. That's oh. precious. And then it was through your brother that you met, Al. Is that right? That's right. They were college roommates. So they kind of met in a parking lot one day, 800 miles from home was where this university was located, and, and they both were in bad roommate situations and said, like, aren't you from Pompano Beach? Aren't we in the same church? It was a large church. So they end up rooming together. I'm a senior in high school that year. And so when I come up as a freshman the next year, um, we started dating. But I'm a freshman. He's a senior. He's going to a place called Southern Seminary the next year, which I've never even heard of. And... Um, my dad was not the type who was going to pay for another man's wife's college tuition. So it's like, you know, I'm going to finish this degree, but I've got three more years. Wow. So it was a three-year long-distance relationship, which we don't recommend. But mm-hmm. um, that's how it started. My brother was the best man in the wedding. Yep. How sweet. How pre- that's beautiful. Yes. And that's before email. So you're sending letters. Oh, yes. No email, no text or FaceTime. Yeah, it was letters. I've got some of those letters <laughs> saved. <laughs> Very fun. There you go. Yes, and uh, was he poetic? He was, and there he was artistic, too. He would sometimes draw cartoons of things that oh. were going on, and uh, I can't... My dad was an architect, but I can't draw a stick man, and so he, he's much <laughs> more gifted at that, and I can remember going down to Samford's post office and pulling out, you know, mail, and I'd be like, well, okay, I got one. This looks kind of thick. Yes. There must be some cartoons in here. Mm-hmm. Was that, is, that a, is that a weekly letter? Probably weekly. Yeah. I mean, he was working two or three jobs, oh, wow. you know, working on his master's, and... Right, and then, you know, a mere 13 years later, he'd be president of that same institution. Extraordinary. Amazing. And, the, and, and the, is it, are you, were you, when were you engaged? So we were engaged at the end of my junior year, and we married right after my senior, or after my graduation, six weeks after graduation. So he walked with his MDiv the same year I walked with my mat, uh, bachelor's degree. Mm-hmm. We married, he started the PhD program. And per, before you were engaged... You knew you were, this is a man who's called into ministry. Absolutely, and that changed my trajectory as well because I went to Sanford as a pre-med major thinking that I might follow that course if the Lord you know, opened the right doors that I might become a medical doctor. And then dating him, I realized like there's no way I'm going to try to balance this with 
hopefully being a, a wife and mother. And so I kind of, I got the biology degree, did not attempt to go to medical school, worked for a surgeon in Louisville until the day before our daughter was born and have no regrets about that at all. I've been mm -hmm. home, was home every day mm -hmm. with our kids full time. Mm -hmm. Highly well, recommend it. <laughs> It's fascinating because it's so counterintuitive, countercultural. Yes. It's counter, so counter sin. Right. <laughs> but, but worth every bit of it. Yes. Well, this is it. This is it. And so we come, uh, normally I would ask about heroes from church history. Now we've, of course, talked about Susie. Are there others from church history? Because, I mean, I was speaking of, um, when, I'm sure you're, I'm sure, Al, you've probably heard of Roy Jenkins. Roy Jenkins was a. Uh, uh, a Chancellor of the Exchequer in this country, oh, okay. who read yeah. a who read a biography of Spurgeon. Uh, uh -huh. No, he wrote a biography of Churchill, not of Spurgeon. And I know your husband's written read he most of the a books. Huge <laughs> fan of Churchill, yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. But uh, he says uh, the point is that uh, J Jenkins, having been a Chancellor, he has a unique perspective on Churchill because Churchill was also a Chancellor, and he mm. sees the challenges and he sees how that will shape a person. So you, of course, have the, uh, a similar experience of having been on the inside, and you, you, you see, so you see a pastor's wife, but also you are around a husband who is uh, incredibly, inspiringly prolific in his reading. And when one hears him, you think, how can you have read that as well? And that it's is a, incredible. Yeah, and yeah. he remembers what he reads, yes. and yes, it's I've, amazing. I heard his interview with the, one of the recent biographers of Churchill. The biographer said this is, it was Andrew Roberts, said oh, this yeah. is the best interview I've had. <laughs> from the president of a seminary. It's just uh, fascinating. So are there others who, who, whom you've read who have become friends from history? Um, I mean, Susie's a new friend and an unexpected friend because we do overlap in certain ways yes. in terms of just the controversies that they went through. I mean, I'm not comparing what we did to the downgrade controversy, but we walked through a very difficult time at Southern when we got there. It was his alma mater, but it needed to needed to turn back to its biblical heritage, shall we say. So mm -hmm. here he shows up, you know, four years after he's graduated. Many of his professors are still there, and he has a mandate from our trustees to take, this, take us back to our biblical roots. And so there were some rough times. Uh, and we had young children who didn't understand what was happening, which was a blessing from the Lord. This is one of those things where we'd had infertility, and, and you just cry out to the Lord, we wanted children so badly. But if those children had been even a few years older... When all this was going on, it would have been much more painful to watch them walk through just a, a taste of this. Mm. So what Susie and, and Charles Spurgeon went through just with, with all of their controversy here, uh, that gave me a, a, a better understanding of just how, how her mind worked. And then just because of all the illness that they, that they endured, and both of them having illness is significant. I mean, you hardly ever see both members of a married couple that are just struggling and have to be separated by so many miles and all of that. So there's just a lot within the life of Susanna Spurgeon that I can, um, I can look to, I can be inspired by. Her own writing is just so very... She writes specifically to women mm. in her three devotional books that are all but lost. I'm not sure why, but I've drawn attention to them, made huge block quotes, gave a whole chapter to yeah. it in the book. <laughs> so, I, so I love her. Yes. Um, others, you know, that would be somewhat mentors or heroes to me would be someone like an Elizabeth Elliot, mm, mm. who, you know, a whole different type of life story. Uh, we've had her as a guest at Southern, uh, somewhat of a prickly pear in person, <laughs> maybe because she'd been through so much adversity and, you know, three husbands and all of that. Yes. Um, 
But her writing is just profound. It's extraordinary. And it just, you know, you have to kind of take it a little bit at a time because it's very deep. It's very poignant. It's, it's very much, there's no fluff there. But it is very much applicable to us today and so to the true. student wives that I teach who, who don't understand or have not discovered her. We try very much to get her <laughs> writings in front of, of them because there's just a lot there. And unfortunately, we see a lot of fluff and a lot of compromising type of, you know, just do whatever it takes to get the gospel out there type of philosophy where we're not biblically grounded. Mm. And uh, that's not what we want in front of our, our women. Yes, yes. I, I, I was uh, in Hong Kong with a, a lady called Jackie Pullinger. I doubt you've heard of her. But she worked uh, among heroin addicts. Mm. And, uh, and she saw incredible things. Uh, she, for 10 years, she tried to help people come off of heroin for 10 years. Wow. And uh, no one came off and stayed off. That mm. was, from I think, from the 60s, 70s. When I arrived with her in the early 90s, there were 10 houses full of people coming off of heroin. Wow. But you realize there were things she had learned. And the interesting thing was a lot of people showed up to see her imagining and assuming that she would be what they had imagined compassion would look like. But a prickly pear she was and oh. is. Oh. And you realize she has understood, look, I, t- I can tell you some things about compassion. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you what. It's not vague. It's based on a crucified savior who right. rose and you will find he is a help to the helpless. But I'm not going to pretend something else. And it is fascinating, Absolutely. isn't it? Absolutely. With, with Elizabeth, she's seriously, I mean, if she had, just her quotes, they are gold. Oh, they are. They're just, you can pull them out and put them on, you know, all yeah. over the place. And, oh, yeah. and they're just, whether it's related to marriage or related to suffering or uh, just a host of different issues. Yeah. She's just, she's got it. And you realize if anyone suffered, she suffered. Oh, absolutely. Her, there's a Twitter account in her name. And it's just gold. It's full of fantastic It's quotes. true. Think, this, I want to know more about this lady. And of course, the more you look into it, you find, uh, you find just go- what the gospel actually looks like. You know, it's like true. Paul, he's a 39 lashes five times, beaten with rods, shipwrecked, stoned, abandoned, imprisoned, rejoice in the Lord always. You think, well, Very counterintuitive, on? isn't yeah. it? <laughs> Goodness. Not, it's not because of consequences. It's because of a Christ. Right, and they counted it a privilege to be worthy of persecution, right? This is it. This is it. I mean, that's not how we look at things yeah, yeah. too often. So Elizabeth Elliot, and you actually got to meet her. What a delight. We did. We hosted her, and I was so very nervous. She was in an <laughs> alumni chapel. This was early on, so I had memorized my introduction, tried to keep it short and sweet but accurate. <laughs> And, and I can remember just being crushed because I introduced her and she just stood up and went to speak and she didn't even nod at me. <laughs> was, and I've heard stories where, where she's been picked up from the airport for women's events or something and they'd had t-shirts made that had oh, like wow. her likeness or something on there and they were so proud of themselves. And she, she gave some kind of cutting remark like, well, you think you would find something decent to wear. I mean, she was not impressed by that at all. Um, not a lot of small talk, but mm-hmm. again, reader. And you will be much, yeah, so much true. the richer. It's fascinating, isn't it? That's fascinating. Anyone else from church who's particularly a hero? Or even from your own history? I mean, from my own history, you know, there, again, I've mentioned there have been many mentors along the way. I, uh, Al speaks often of his grandparents, and now we're in the stage where we are grandparents, yeah. which you are as well, yes. and it's so glorious. <laughs> I mean, I never met my one grandmother, and the other one was an older lady before I was born and so she was Canadian and not super nearby and so I, I, I can't say that but my mother was a huge influence on in my life mm, mm. Um, she had a very different life than I did but loved the Lord, loved my dad loved us, stayed home with us 
was a tremendous grandmother, died at age 98. It was just a great example. I mean, I, I like to look to women of the Bible quite yes. a bit. And so, yeah. I mean, like the ones that we normally think of, the Ruths and the Esthers and the Hannahs, but also just what little we know about some of the ones who are mentioned, but they are mentioned in the inerrant word of God, like their word, their name is in there for a reason. It's That's not right. just like filling That's space. Right. And so then you could kind of conjecture and try to come up with more information about them, which I don't want to do. But when you think about how, how you know, Timothy's relatives are mentioned or, yeah. or yes. you think about the Lydia's or the Phoebe's or just these other kind of, quote, minor characters who are not minor characters in, in the early church and how they labored so long without recognition and without praise that they weren't they weren't looking for that but uh I, so i love to do studies on them and just mm. consider like what it must have been like and and to have walked the earth when christ was here so so i tend to kind of focus more on that i would say yeah wonderful that's precious that's right the inerrant word of god doesn't have any mistakes in it no and these people are named you think there's a reason sometimes people have mocked the thing of uh, augustine saying uh, rahab and this the crimson cord right. the blood of jesus they yes. mock it you say but it is mentioned, a crimson cord, it is. in a gracious situation where a person entirely, because of grace and by grace, blesses. And it's yes. interesting. W.A. Criswell, who was the famous American pastor in Dallas, talked about the, the red line of the gospel that goes all the way through and had a great sermon on that. It was very well known. Yes. <laughs> Bless him. Now, I, the next question I always come on to normally is, what advice would you give? Now, this book is so full and so rich in, 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 in ironically, it's not actually explicit, do this, do this, it's pictures which inspire the believer, pictures which inspire the believer. I was uh, talking recently uh, with, uh, with people about how, well, well, how does the Holy Spirit work in, uh, in, in the life of the believer? And ironically, of course, most people will assume the Holy Spirit with a certain feeling. But when I, we're planting a church among Bangladeshi Muslims, when mm. I speak to them about Jesus, there is no rejoicing in their heart at that point. Whereas a story based on the gospel of Jesus told to a believer, there is a rejoicing. What's that all about? Well, the Holy Spirit loves to glorify Jesus. He's the comforter. He's the helper who does that. And the book is so full of, of stories and, and st full of inspiring pictures, vignettes and principles. So... I'd be interested to hear you, if I could ask you to consider this question of this love story which flowers. Because the tragedy is, of course, at the moment, you're finding many young women who won't marry someone until they are utterly perfect. Right. And then they think, and when I've got everything perfect, everything will be perfect. We say, well, that's completely backwards to the gospel. The gospel is, is you start with, no, we both need a savior, and this cord is going to have three strands. That's right. And as we go forward with him, he carries it. He does great things. Could you speak to the, the long-term trusting Christ in marriage, as you may have seen in Susie and, and in yourself? Absolutely. I mean, it is, as you said, such a sweet love story. And you see how she doesn't have this opinion of, well, okay, I guess I'll marry this famous guy and then I'll change him. Uh, and, and the earlier <laughs> yes. biographer, Charles Ray, has a very poignant quote about if he had married some woman who was all about looks or was all about appearances, like his ministry would have looked completely different. But Susie did not make that her aim, to mm. say, I'm going to clean this guy from Essex up, mm. and he's going to sound better and look better and lose some weight or whatever. Um, but she instead became his student. I mean, she was his, his wife, obviously, and the mother of his twin boys, and that's another whole sweet story. Um, but she also just learned so much theology from him, mm. from this unusual situation of where 
and, and as, as I say in the book, like preaching professors would not recommend you wait till Saturday night and, to say to your pastor, you know, your wife, they're like, well, what text do you think I should preach from? This is horrible. You're supposed to be, you know, finishing it up, putting the finishing touches on it by Saturday. But he was out all week. And so this was really the first time he was able to focus on it. And so they would spend Saturday nights together and and, sh- and she'd pull commentaries off the shelf and, and he'd ask her to read portions of it and then he would explain to her. And I mean, she became very well, very much educated as a theologian in her own right, right. just by, even though she wasn't there on Sunday mornings and there mm. were no live streams that she could tune into or anything like that, how sad that is. Mm. But in this was her assignment. I mean, mm. the Lord had, she, she was accepting the suffering and she was right. a model of, of how to deal with that. And that's another whole story on its own. Mm. But, um, but the love story continued as did just her, her depth of, of understanding. Right. And you see wow. that come through somewhat as you do in Elizabeth Elliot's writings, like her, the way she, um, just some of that I put in the book, I put, um, several that are just some theme interpretations, if you will, on several of the different miracle accounts. And it's like, I've never really thought about it that way before. Mm. Uh, she's an expositor, and through the Holy Spirit, she pulls truth out of those those true stories that we know happened, and 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 does it in a way that just glorifies the Lord. Because mm-hmm. it's like I never really thought about it that way before, but you're right. Mm-hmm. And so then, when she walks through the illness, and then you throw on top of that all the controversy, mm-hmm. um, I'm sure they didn't have a perfect marriage, but but she was. I mean, she was in his corner, and he knew yes. it, and he knew that you know. Whatever the London papers were going to say was one thing. You wouldn't expect them to be supportive of him. But even within the church, with this being an internal controversy, and even his own brother voting against him on some of the votes, he knew that Susie was on his side. And not just in some kind of a like, oh, sweetie, I'm sure it's great. I'm sure everything you... you know, She she wasn't shallow at all. Hmm. She would have been fired up giving him chapter and verse of why this was wrong, that he was being treated this way, because... That's just how she was wired. And then when she's in bed, the incredible story of, like, she, she's stricken with this mysterious, probably some type of gynecological disease where she's just not able to leave the house. Mm. But she looks at him, and, and when, he, when the letters to my students comes out, and she's so taken with it, it's so rich. I wish every poor pastor in England could have this. And he said, well, how are you going to make that happen? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she makes it happen from her sickbed. Like, she raises money, and then she's got this team of helpers that are packaging up these books and sending them all over England, and only in heaven will we know the implications and the ramifications of all the ripple effect Mm. of those men being able to have those books permanently in their libraries, not having to send them back, and they were able to then... Be enlightened by through through their study of scriptures. Okay. And, uh, I mean, who do do that? Yes, yes. And there's a something there's something inevitable, if I can put it in those terms. There's something organic about, as you put it, this is the project I've been given. I think you think you use the word project or, or assignment. assignment. This is That's my assignment. This is the assignment. My assignment yeah. is that this isn't getting better. Right. And so I can either wallow in this, or mm. as many of us would do, I can just pull up the covers and say, it's not fair. These other pastors' wives over here, they're fully healthy, and look how they're waiting wasting their time doing a lot of stuff that's not even advancing the gospel. I'm all eager to advance the gospel, and I can't get out of bed. This isn't fair. That's not how she acted. This is it. And that's beautiful. That's what it, it looks is. like. What does grace look like? Well, that's striking, is it? because it looks like there's an application, and it's beautiful. It's, and it, it lives. 
It's striking how you know the, the creation speaks of the glory of God. Well, what is the in what way? Well, you know, seeds give birth give birth to plants which give forth fruit, which gives forth seeds, and multiplication. And you see something disproportionate in the blessing of God. A woman in bed having the kind of impact like that. My, a few years ago, we put up a. Uh, on the internet, we put up. A, I asked a bunch of uh, pastors and people who know Christian Heritage London, and uh, I said, "What was the book? Best book you read this year?" Someone immediately said, "Lectures to my students." Oh, really? And this is a pastor of a large English church, uh-huh. and you see the the, inter- the the consequences of that book far beyond absolutely that little church, right? <laughs> Metropolitan Tabernacle, that little church, <laughs> right, 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 little church, yeah, 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 little tabernacle. Excellent. There's so much more we could talk about, but I would encourage anyone listening to this and interested in the church history and who's been engaged with the Christian Heritage London. Uh, Susanna Spurgeon, Lessons for a Life of Joyful Eagerness in Christ by Mary Mola. It's very helpful on drawing these out. I found it as a as a husband, as rich, as I'm sure many wives will. It has been delightful reading through it and finding my wife's underlinings. Who oh, wrote it before how me. nice. <laughs> she went through and highlighted yeah. some portions for you. Now, I will say that in <laughs> April of next year, through a different British publisher, through the Good Book Company, I have another book coming out titled, and it's in the Do Great Things for God series. It's a children's book. Oh, wonderful. About Susanna Spurgeon. Oh, stupid. And it's fun. going to... You know, it's going to be the whole theme is like, here's a woman who's ill, but she's still able to do great things for God. Quite. Yes. Quite. And great things for God. They're often overlooked right. by the church and the world as we want an enormous, you know, sound system. No, great things for God often look like great Rufus. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. And his mother. She's been a mother to me. Great things for God. Yes. It's been outstanding to have this time with you, Mary. Thank you so much. I've enjoyed it thoroughly, Ben. Thrilled to know of your ministry and thrilled to be here in London. Thank you for having me. Bless you. For more episodes of the Christian Heritage London podcast and for information on Christian Heritage London events, tours and walks, please go to christianheritagelondon.org. 